It's time to breathe new life into the social entrepreneur by empowering you to make a living through fulfilling work that will impact lives. You'll make money, but more importantly, you'll make a difference. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. It's time to build a business with purpose. Now here's your host, Adam Force. Hey everybody, welcome to the Change Creator Podcast show. This is your host, Adam Force. Today we're going to be talking to Kathy Wong. She has quite a story. She actually reached out to us through our network and um, we really liked her story and what she was working on. So it is a privilege to have her join us here today so we can pick her brain a little bit about her company called Maloko. And that is a retail shop where their first really cool product is the uh, these pairs of flip-flops. And they have a number of cool things about them, but the primary feature that that I love so much is um, that every pair of their Maloko flip-flops that you purchase, they give a pair of um, school shoes to a child in poverty, and poverty is a big area of focus for Change Creator. So um, it's really powerful because you know the statistics I'm reading around their website is there's 300 million people in the world that have never owned a pair of shoes, right? So you know, giving a child a pair of school shoes will help with their health, access to education, confidence, and all kinds of things. So such a simple thing, um, and but such a um, a powerful uh, result, right? So. We're going to talk to her about her story, her model, and how she's doing it, why she's doing it, and all that great stuff that we always break down. Uh, just a reminder, we have the upcoming edition of Change Creator Magazine coming on November 15th with Skoll Award winner, Taddy Bletcher, doing amazing, amazing work. You're going to love to dive into his story around education in South Africa. Um, truly inspirational. And in addition, we also have in that magazine... Russell Brunson, who's just making incredible raves, waves in the marketing space today, and also Bustle. We had an incredible interview with Bustle. These guys are crushing it. They have over 40 million people coming to their website every month. This is going to be a very big addition for Change Creator Magazine, so keep an eye out for that. If you haven't already, jump in there. Start your free trial, guys. You get four weeks of time for free to cruise around and read the latest edition. And if the next edition comes out while you're doing that trial, you'll get that one too. Just a quick tip. Um, so stop by our website and when you subscribe, you'll start that, that free, uh, trial. Okay. So guys, don't forget to stop by and leave us reviews on the magazine for iTunes, Google play and the podcast. All these things are just incredibly helpful for us. And we do appreciate your time. And, um, you know, we want to hear from you guys as much as possible and give us your feedback and all that good stuff. So without further ado, we're going to jump into this conversation with Kathy. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, Kathy, thanks for joining the Change Creator Podcast Show. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Adam. Thank you. Awesome. Well, you know, I'm excited that we connected. Um, you have an exciting brand that you're building. And just remind me, you, you, you kicked this off not too long ago, right? This is a young brand at this point. It is. I feel like I'm still such a baby, Adam. It's uh, coming up to three years now. Yeah. Um, but I took about I took about three months off from that just because I needed a bit of a rest. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it has been a really fast, uh, rapid journey. <coughs> awesome. So let's let's take a step back and just get everybody grounded with your story a little bit. Um, so let's do the short version of what you were doing 
before this, the kind of experience you have uh, in your life and, and how you got to this idea. Um, and, and just pronounce your brand to me so I make sure I say it. Pronounce that. It's just... Sure. It's Moloko. Moloko. Okay, great. Yes. Um, and just <laughs> you how do you came up with that idea and then we'll dive into um, how you started building it. So yeah, if you could just give that background, that'd be great. Sure. Well, long, long time ago. Um, yeah, look, my background has always been branding design. I had several businesses, and but my most successful one was a branding design studio that we had for nearly 19 years, actually, uh, where we're dealing with, you know, corporates doing all sorts of branding communications. And then that allowed me actually to retire in my early 40s. Mm. And then uh, from there, I had a pretty good life for about 10 years where I traveled the world. I went and moved out into the country onto a rural property and learned everything that I could about, you know, organic um, farming. And Mm -hmm. uh, then I also recreated myself as a jewelry artisan making um, mixed media jewelry and then I actually got to teach people for about four years uh, every weekend and then I found myself um, after the 10 years I actually found myself returning to Sydney Hmm. and uh, I then within a very short space of time it was about two months Adam that I returned and I had this epiphany uh, one morning and it was interesting because when I had my other businesses, I'd always um, supported children's charities. It was something that I was really passionate about. Um, I wasn't able to have my own children. I was really, that was something I really had wanted. And so I always said that, you know, one day I'll do something really big with kids. Well, my one day came in 2014 (laughs) and that particular morning I woke up and, uh, you know, thought I'd woken up for, from a dream, actually, Adam. And it was a message, really, that was going to change the course of my life. And it was a really, really simple message with just three words. And those three words came to me loud and clear in a font I don't even like, having been a designer all my life. And that was um, three words which were, make a difference. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, it was like, well, what? You know, I'm dreaming, right? Mm. And it became fairly evident to me after um, just, you know, a few days that this was not a dream. This was a really loud message that someone was trying to, you know, get across to me. So then that kind of set a course of events that happened really quickly um, from those three words to, I don't know, it was like a few days later. I can't even remember where I got the information. And normally I'm pretty good with that sort of stuff. Anyway, I, I read about these 300 million children in the world without shoes. And that really rocked my boat, you know, because I've got to say, and I feel really guilty about this, that, you know, like a lot of women, I really love my shoes. Yeah. And um, the fact that, you know, here were these kids that, that might never own a pair of shoes in their life and that some of them were not allowed to go to school without the shoes because they're worried about spreading disease through their feet. Because right. a lot of these kids are walking on, you know, open sewage and very unsavory conditions. And then um, – you know, and then if these diseases got bad and weren't treated, they could be life-threatening. So that just totally floored me and I thought, oh, my God. And then, of course, the consequences of poverty, I really had such little uh, awareness about, you know, the trafficking, the organ harvesting, for yep. instance. Yep. 
And so uh, it just just really touched my heart. And, um, you know, I thought, well, I've got to do something to help. I have no idea what I can do, but that idea was, you know, firmly planted in my, my brain and my heart. And then, Again, not long after, I, I, I read about social enterprise. Hmm. And again, I don't know where I got that article from. And then I read, you know, that there was this new model that was um, taking over the world where people were <laughs> creating products or services that they could sell that would then, um, you know, deal with some sort of uh, social issue in the world. Yeah. So I just put the two together and I thought, that's it. I need to find something that I can sell, that I can then raise money for, um, you know, the cause. Yeah. And that's pretty much how I started my journey with um, no further knowledge than that. <laughs> and, you know, um, it's, it's, I think naivety is, a, is actually a good thing in um, <laughs> yes. starting, right? It is, because totally. Because yeah. Well, had I known what I know now, maybe I would have, maybe I would have started it. You know, because it's like um, what you don't know, what you don't know um, can't hurt you, right? <laughs> there is truth to that for sure, and I've said that before. I was like, if I had to look back, and I was like, all right, here's all the stuff you have to do to build up the brand change creator. I'd probably be like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> are but, you kidding me? Yeah, are yeah, you kidding me? I that's right. That's not possible. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I think it's a fair point. Yeah, so, um, so quite a background, quite an experience. And um, just reading on your page, you talk about some some things that you've gone through. So it looks like you've not only have some success in business, but you've had some just traumatic experiences um, that really kind of spurred your inspiration and things like that. And I guess I what I don't connect yet is what led you to, uh, as you guys say in Australia, you know, thongs or <laughs> flip flops, right? So why flip flops? Yeah. yeah, good question. Well, look, you know, I went through various scenarios. You know, I went through clothing, I went through homewares, I went through jewelry, even got as far as getting some samples made. And but they just, they just weren't landing with me, you know. And I live here. I'm very uh, fortunate to live near the beach here. And I was down at the beach one day and, you know, lying there and contemplating. And I just suddenly saw all these people wearing thongs. And I thought, oh, my goodness, that's it, you know. Um, How better to tell my story about these children without shoes um, but with a pair of thongs. And then I started researching the thong market. And I learned from a business perspective it made a lot of sense because, you know, thongs were like the fastest growing footwear product in the world. I looked at the figures around sales of thongs. And then I thought, you know, well, what do thongs mean? I mean, what do thongs mean to you, Adam? Um, freedom for my feet. Yeah, right. Freedom. <laughs> they mean happy times, right? Good times, holidays, the beach. And that's the furthest thing from these children's, you know, lives. Yeah. And so, you know, we take them for granted, right? And so people have, you know, generally several pairs of thongs. And so I thought, well, it was a really interesting contrast. And uh, so that's why I decided to use thongs to tell my story. And mind you, here is a girl that never wore a pair of thongs in her life, except I found one picture when I was a child, but not as an adult, because 
songs were something for me that was so always so uncomfortable. Yeah. So it's kind of ironic that <laughs> I now make songs. Yeah. So that's how I came to it. Very cool. And so before we get into things like the business model, I just want to find out a little bit more about bringing this idea to life. So here I am. I'm an aspiring entrepreneur and you, just like you, I want to do a physical uh, product business, right? And, mm. you know, there's many, many models you can pursue. And like I said, we'll talk about your model, but how, how do you start mapping that out to say, okay, I have this idea, I've got these messages, whatever, design, but how do you start getting inventory for flip-flops and get them to get the ones that you want that you think are comfortable and work the way you know the reflect your brand the way they should how do you start get where do you look for that how does that work okay well alibaba is a good thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) um so well first of all before i even did that um no no that's the very first thing i did i looked at alibaba i wanted to understand you know, what was out there on the marketplace in terms of what, what could I buy to manufacture. Yeah. And I needed to get a feeling of the quantities that were required, the costs, and then uh, to see if it was, you know, feasible. Right. And then I basically went and looked at every single song I could get my hands on. You know, I bought them and then I walked in them and I researched and looked at their pricing, looked at how did they go about selling tried to find out all I could. So a lot of research really, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, um, going on to people, onto websites, going into stores. Um, Then I also conducted my own research with some focus groups, you know, getting people that friends and friends of friends who I didn't know to ask them, you know, to, to get understanding of buying patterns around songs, what what did they buy, what were they prepared to pay. Right. And then once I actually did some mock-ups, I also, you know, ran that past them as well. So that's pretty much how I started, um, becoming a bit more of a song expert. <laughs> right, yeah, you just got to, I guess, teach yourself everything and start learning all the ins and outs. And then, so did you end up moving forward with Alibaba as a distribution op- option? Not as a distribution option, but as an option to source suppliers, you know. Um, and uh, so funnily enough, I, you know, looked at so many and um, I ended up coming back to the very first one that I had actually come across <laughs> because they had worked for, you know, Australian companies and they had produced some uh, really big brand names. And then I actually flew up to China and uh, – that was quite a funny experience because even though I have Chinese heritage, I don't speak Mandarin, which is yeah. what most of the Chinese manufacturers speak. So I had to take my dad who speaks um, Cantonese and a little bit of Mandarin and then I had to bring my uncle from China who speaks Mandarin but doesn't speak very good English. And then we had this uh, – then my auntie as well and so we had this huge, you know, um, translation line going on back and forth with uh, – the manufacturer and myself um, to be able to communicate. And uh, so that's how we used Alibaba anyway as yeah. a sourcing tool. So you went there. Yeah. Now, can you tell us, so why did you go to China? You went there just to to vet the supplier that you were going to decide on and, and, and see the, the, uh, the place and how they work and all that stuff? Exactly, because, you know, whilst we are foremost a social cause business, I'm finding myself getting more and more uh, interested in the ethical supply chain. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, so one of the things that was very important to me was that, you know, there was no child labour, um, you know, that they did treat their staff well and, you know, that there were certain ethical practices that I was uh, wanting to make sure that uh, I could guarantee that these guys were doing the right thing. Um, And, yeah, and and to also understand more the process, you know, I need to be – you know, it's amazing because now I have a family that's actually quite fluent in uh, being an expert on how to manufacture a pair of songs. And, you know, again, ignorance is bliss. I thought, how difficult can this be? It's two, just two pieces of material. <laughs> you know, it can't be that difficult to make a pair of songs. Well, I was a little bit, yeah, I was very naive about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. So, I mean, just for anybody listening, it's always, you know, it's funny, like you, everybody can come up with ideas and it's that whole next step when you're like, oh, okay, so I don't know how far, I don't know how far China is from Australia, but for, from the U.S., it's obviously very far. And, you know, you have mm. to make certain commitments and investments in yourself. Like, are yeah. you willing to spend a few thousand dollars just to go check out a place, get hotels, go to the manufacturer? Like, now you're really committing to this idea that you, you have, right? And a lot of people have a hard time taking those steps. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm constantly asked when I speak or interviewed, you know, what are the next steps, you know, and my standard response is just take a step. Right. You know, I read recently, um, I think Ray Kroc talked about, you know, there's like 14,000 steps to get a business idea off the ground. And it's just like, you take one step, one step leads to another, leads to another. It's just that momentum. And it's interesting what you say too about, you know, making that decision of how much you're going to back yourself. Yeah. You know, that's a really yeah big one. And it was like, okay, so I decided that I was going to, you know, invest a certain amount of money. That was the money that I was prepared to, you know, to invest. But, of course, it became bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, Adds up fast. But, you know, I had. Yeah, very fast, and, and, and that is really scary, you know, but um, well, you right, kind of just create... Not, not to cut you off, but, I mean, it is scary, and I want to call that out because people have to realize that, I mean, you can take a calculated risk, but at the end of the day, you just can't get anywhere if you're not willing to take the chance. I mean, it's always a chance. Nothing is foolproof. Like, you could end up, you know, flying to China, meet the manufacturer, and it doesn't work out, and that's money out the door, but it's not really money out the door. It's a great experience and lesson learned so that you can move forward, you know, in a different direction, right? So you're you're actually helping yourself at the end of the day, but it is scary to put thousands of dollars down. Um, it's always a risk. It is, you know, and this whole journey so far has been a very scary journey um, because even though I've had several other businesses and some of them had much more investment than this, um, the difference was there that I had some background in what I was doing, although I suppose when I first started my very first business, I didn't have any background either. But, you know, this to me was something that um, the, the big difference was I was putting my heart on the line. You know, the other businesses, I could kind of hide behind a corporate face, you know. But this one was suddenly, I'm completely exposed as a person. You know, um, the other businesses, it was, here are our skills, this is what we do, but I'm not putting myself personally so on the line. Right. 
Exactly. And that to me is, um, you know, so there's not just the money. There's that, you know, well, oh, everybody knows what I'm up to. I put my heart out there. And so, you know, if I don't succeed, this is potentially a lot more crushing to me <laughs> than, um, you know, than uh, it's just not just a business. Yeah. 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 I, you know, it's always, and, and you know, when you say kind of like if I don't succeed and people, you know, that's the whole thing. It's kind of like, well, you know, nine times out of 10, in the beginning, you're not going to succeed. <laughs> you're not going to succeed. And it could take years yeah. before you really find the formula that is resonating with people or getting the sales you hope for. There's so many moving parts and so many decisions to make in these journeys that you're going to have to make a lot of wrong decisions before you find the right one sometimes. Maybe you get lucky. I don't know. Sometimes people hit the nail on the head and they get a winning formula right off the bat, but it, it could take time. I think that's very rare. <laughs> it's yeah, rare. exactly. Adam. It's rare. I think it's very rare. And I think, you know, when I first started, I thought, you know, if I can just change one life, then it would all have been worth it, right? Yeah. And then I got greedy, you know. And uh, as I saw impact, I wanted more and more. And so, you know, but you're right about that whole attitude. It's very much about how you see things. Because, you know, it's all about everything that you do. It's all about then getting closer to what it is that you really want to do, you know, and we have to go through a series of small steps. Exactly. And, uh, I don't know anybody who has just hit the nail on the head. No, not too often. I I have heard a few stories with people and then I'm just like, man, how did they get, sometimes there's like the right timing if you get in on a social media platform and the boom, like your audience, you figure yeah. it out and you're, you're at the wild west uh, point in time, right? <laughs> Before they have all their algorithms and rules in place um, and you get huge followings. I've seen that happen a few times and I'm like, dang, and I, you know, it's a timing factor sometimes, you know? Um, well, that's true. Yeah, you're right because I've spoken to Tom's, you know, and they shared with me because I said, you know, how did you really start and, you know, what do you attribute your success to? And they said to me it was a timing thing. So we're in the right place at the right time to, you know, get massive exposure. It's really and, true. Uh, yeah. So, yes, you're right. There is some of that too. Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed that because I've done, like, competitive analysis and stuff like that. And sometimes I'm just like, man, how did that get – just so tremendous and it's I, I end up getting narrowing it down to you know what they this is where the success was and it has to do with this timing factor um and i've noticed that a few times and i'm like so you know sometimes you gotta look at your own time your present moment and just figure out well what's the opportunity at that time there's always another opportunity you just got to be able to um identify it and i guess go after it right <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> but yeah. you know persistence is key you may not get it right away but sooner or later if you keep trying you'll figure something out uh, yeah exactly persistence and resilience exactly yeah. exactly i love that i love that mm-hmm. so tell me mm. let's tell not me tell us <laughs> about your uh business model so you have a you have a few interesting um i guess um i guess contributions you could say uh, with the you know the simple contribution of just positive vibes through the words that you design on the actual um, sandals, the flip flops, and then also the contribution, mm-hmm. the bigger contribution, which is to support children and put their shoes on their feet. Um, can you talk about that business model and how it works? 
Sure. Look, one of the – yeah, so we operate a one-for-one model, Adam, and um, the reason I wanted that one-for-one is two reasons. So with every pair of flip-flops that we sell, we then put a pair of, like, canvas sneakers on a child at the moment in India um, so that they can actually go to school because, you know, I strongly believe that uh, education is the only way we're going to break the poverty cycle. And I do believe that sustainable um, change, long-term change, is something that, you know, where you teach people. Um, And so whilst we're giving a handout to begin with, handouts obviously, you know, sometimes people need a handout like we are doing, but it's not the way to sustainable change. And so the sustainable change is education. And so um, I wanted to be able to have something that people could really see immediately what we were doing because whilst there are a lot of, you know, um, businesses out there or charities, social enterprises, not-for-profits, whatever, um, there are so many out there now that people have become quite cynical about, you know, the giving component. And I get that, you know, especially when you hear that so many um, charities are – you know, making, taking a lot of money and then only, you know, something like two point, I read 2.4%, I think it is actually gets to the cause. Mm, And so I wanted to be really transparent. And I also, for me, because as you said earlier, you know, so many businesses don't make profit for many years and social enterprise and a company that manufactures is going to take longer. And so I didn't want to wait, you know, several years before I could start giving. I wanted to give from day one, and so and that's what we have done, and that's by building in the cost of the giving into the cost of the shoe, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a business overhead or an, a business expense. But that does so take out mean, of your bottom line, right? So I mean, at the end of the day, just sure. speaking in business terms, you have to obviously cover the cost expense of the physical product itself, the inventory, but then you have to cover the cost of the uh, contribution uh, product as well. So, and then anything after those expenses becomes your um, margin. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay. So that's the, exactly the way the model works, you know. And um, as I said, it just, it was interesting. For me, it was a no-brainer. It just seemed to be the most simple. Sure, there's challenges with that, but, you know, as there is in any model, but um, that just seemed to make perfect sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it's a great model. And it's interesting because I've heard arguments where people would say, oh, but then you're taking away business from the local community in that area. And my first thought is, well, we're helping people in need who don't have the shoes. So then I guess they're not doing business with the, <laughs> with those local vendors exactly. anyway. So and those local vendors aren't giving them shoes. So someone should. Right. So I, I, exactly. I do debunk yes. that argument. I think it's kind of silly. I agree. You know, we're often asked, well, why shoes? Why couldn't you give, you know, why couldn't you give, um, you know, health? But we are giving health, you know, because we're protecting these kids' feet from disease. We're giving them, you know, um, we've been asked, well, why not something else? And the other part of that is that, you know, we give through a charity and, you know, the charity is so busy trying to give to so many different aspects and they can't afford the shoes, you know, so that's taking away from them um, in that we can supply the shoes and then they can supply something else, you know. So it's a holistic, it's part of a holistic situation that people 
don't begin to understand. And poverty is a very complex issue. And so we also wanted to um, show people, you know, because often people just turn away from things when they're too big and too too difficult to understand. Yep. So we wanted to break it down and go, well, guys, you can actually help with a thing as simple as a pair of shoes. So the shoes are also very symbolic as well, um, you know, as that message that we can all do something. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. I like that. So I guess what, what has been your biggest challenge, I guess, you know, as you're building this brand? Whoa, where do you start? <laughs> I know. There's a whole laundry list. Trust me, I get it. Yeah. Um, think about it for a second yeah. and just um, if there's anything. No, no, I've got the answer. Okay, I've got all right, the answer. go for it. What you got? Look, whilst, whilst there has been so many different areas, i got to say it comes back to what we were talking about earlier. At the end of the day, the biggest, biggest challenge has been myself. <laughs> And uh, that's so, you know, all the things like how do, how do I find a manufacturer? How do I do logistics? How do I find the, the right charity partner? All those things, every time I thought, I don't know how to do this, literally someone would drop out of the sky because I believed in what I was doing. And the times when I've had lots of doubt and, you know, because you do, it's like, oh, God, I don't know if I can keep on doing this. It's really hard, you know. Yeah. Um, that's the stuff I'm talking about. It's that resilience piece. It's the piece with, you know, okay, there's a setback here. That's okay. It's part of the learning curve. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for that setback, you know. I will work through this just as I work through everything else. That's those moments that I'm talking about where you doubt yourself and you go, am I strong enough to do this? Um, that's, that's the thing. That really has been the biggest challenge I've had to deal with because even though, as I said before, I've run other businesses and, yes, the whole entrepreneurial journey is always a challenge and that's really what sets us apart from those who do something and those who don't. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, there's so many people out there with fantastic ideas, but it's it's not just about the idea, right? It's about having that, um, having the determination really to follow through and, you know, work through that whole idea. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that's really been the biggest challenge that I've had, being able to, to look at myself and my own mindset. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the word that you usually, you know, hear from other entrepreneurs is just, it does come down to execution. And that is what you're saying when I said, when you talk about determination and having resilience. I mean, it, there is the actual execution tactically and strategically, but there's also the willpower to actually execute and have the courage to actually move forward. Um, there's going to be a lot of self-doubt through the process that, uh, that occurs, right? Because like we said, it could be years before you're profitable um, and it'll be stressful if you're not actually earning a lot of money or you're investing a lot of your own money and still not getting the returns you want and stuff like that. So these things will happen, exactly. um, you know, and it will happen a lot. And I just think, you know, one of the most important things I always see is that if you just continue to figure out how to fund yourself or get money to keep fueling the fire, if you can do that and you're persistent, 
sooner or later, you'll find that winning uh, formula and you will become profitable. That's what I believe too, you know, and um, because all these things, the, you know, the tactical stuff, you know, um, th- those solutions can always be found, right? But I find myself having to make so many decisions and one decision impacts another decision impacts another decision and you can go and ask all the experts you want, you know, and none of them really have the answers, you know, because it's all trial, testing, testing. Right. And, you know, and so the decisions always fall back to you. It's your business. No one knows your business like you do. Yeah. Um, and that's when you're very tested. <laughs> yeah. I Am I making the right decision? Do I go this way or do I go that way? Or do I make no decision? <laughs> well, we have this conversation at Change Creator all the time. It's, you know, you can make, there's, there's many forks in the road and you really just, you could be as calculated as you can be but you just don't know what the outcome will be. You just can't predict the future. So you're just going to have to pick a path, see what works, and then if it doesn't work, cross it off your list and go to the next option. If it does work, well, kudos to you, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, you know, it's as simple as, you know, like we've been really testing Facebook advertising. We've not really been having much success with that. You know, part of me is going oh, maybe I should just not do it and just concentrate on other areas. But then there's still part of me going, no, I just think it's it's right, but we just haven't found that winning formula yet That's for it. it, you know? That's it. So it's sure. those sorts of decisions I'm talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and it is tough because you can easily be like, oh, I'll put $50 into Facebook and I should at least get one or two sales. And then if you don't, it's like, oh, do I keep trying this? Yes. <laughs> is yes. it not going to work? Because you're, you're eager to be like, I'll put, a, I'll put a couple thousand in there if I can get a consistent return, right? But yeah. it is yeah. very difficult. We've tested many, many audiences and many, many variations with different offers and things like that. And um, there's just such a you know huge funnel that can be required to walk someone through in order for, for their mindset to be ready to make a purchase. They may have to see several other things before they get to that purchase opportunity. And you just got to figure that out. But it's um, it, it can be difficult for sure. Yeah, for sure. Mm. So I guess, you know, before we, we wrap up, I just want to tap into one more thing. And that is, if you have any uh, travel, um, you know, I know you went to China already. If there's other places around the world, I'm curious to know if there's one place you've traveled to that you feel has been very inspiring to your life and that you would recommend to somebody else. And if so, why? Why? Has to be India. <laughs> India, okay. Yeah, because India is where we're we're doing all our work, our giving. And um, I was actually, and I've done a lot of traveling. I've been to like thirty four countries in the world now. Cool. And India, I had never been to India until I did this work. And funnily enough, you know, people said, "Oh, you must have gone to India," and then you saw what was going on, and then you decided to create your social enterprise. And go, no, I'd never been to India. Um, the way that it came about was when I was looking for charity partners, I actually thought I'd be going to Africa or, you know, Asia because that was what was on my radar in terms of poverty. Right. And uh, I was not aware of, of the impact of poverty in India at all. And um, then, you know, after approaching so many different charities and 
putting it out there to all the various networks, it was I was at a conference and uh, spoke to the facilitator there and explained what I was trying to do and said that, um, you know, did he know anybody who could connect me with a suitable charity? And, and he had a really good friend who had been supporting um, our charity partner in India for like the last 10 years. So it was through that introduction that I got to meet our charity partner, and that's how I got to India. So I didn't actually go to India till a year after we had started the business. Yeah. I couldn't afford to go there before that, and um, I was so busy trying to get the project off the ground. So I actually then went to India for the first time, and um, it was just the most amazing experience, you know. And it's I I actually describe India as it's, it's a place that's got part of my part of my heart you know yeah. um it's a very soulful place and uh the other part of my journey adam has been very much a spiritual journey um i'd always been i had always been into personal development and spirituality for 20 years but it really in the last three years has really um been an area of that i've been really focused on and so I suppose that's why I feel a very deep connection to India. And the way I describe India, have you been to India? I have not, um, but I would love to go. Mm, well, the way I describe India is that because, you know, my first trip to India, I saw a lot of very shocking things, but at the same time I, was, I saw the most joyful things as well. You know, when you can see people that have nothing, and, you know, and they are so incredibly joyful. Their sense of community is something that the Western world can really learn from. You know, I see people over here in Australia, because we're, we're a pretty rich country, and, you know, I see people with everything, and yet they're so unhappy. Right. And yet people over there with nothing will give you the shirt off their backs, and uh, yet, you know, they're, they're, they have one another. And so you see all of life in its full circle. You see, you know, the death, you see the birth, you see, and it's very in your face. So when I go to India, apart from it being quite confronting, um, you're very in the moment. Mm. You can't really be in the past or in the future. You're right there in the moment. And to me, that's life. Sure. Yeah, that's so that's awesome. what I love so much. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Yeah, you know, it's amazing how travel can inspire things. So, um, sounds like a pretty pretty great experience. Um, appreciate you sharing that, and I would love if you could just let people know uh, where they can find uh, you and your uh, awesome flip flops and how to connect. Sure. Well, you can find us uh, on our website at. Um, www.moloco.com and Moloco is spelled M-O-E-L-O-C-O and can I just say Adam I don't know if you're aware Moloco actually means dream crazy it's Hawaiian and Latin yeah and uh, dream crazy is all about inspiring each of us to think about what is that unique gift that we all have because when we tap into that, we find our true passion and our purpose. And when we find that, we actually touch every single person that we come across. And that's how we're going to make a difference in the world. Yeah, I love that. We're very aligned. And I hope more people um, take the plunge and, and pursue their, their own truth as well. Thank you, Adam. And yes, we're on all the social channels. You know, Instagram and Facebook are probably... 
uh, the two best uh, channels for us. And uh, we're just sort of starting to get into Twitter, but we're more active on the other two platforms. So, look, thank you so much for what you're doing and the wonderful work that you're creating. Sure, absolutely. Well, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm glad you reached out. And um, listen, reach out anytime if you need anything from us. Uh, Otherwise, uh, we'll talk soon. I will. I will be stalking you, Adam, from now on. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the Change Creator Revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play. Or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast.